Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome in to the live CHGO White Sox podcast in Studio A of our CHGO offices in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And we have the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber to my far left. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. We got two important things to talk to you about today. One much more important than the other. Rick Hahn spoke yesterday at the general manager meetings, and we will bring you some quotes from what he had to say when speaking to the beat writers that assembled out in Vegas. And then we'll also be talking about Luis Roberts' report card for the 2022 season. Now, for Rick Hahn, let's just jump into some of the quotes. Steven, don't worry. I know I just freaked you out with that. I'll send you the grades in a second. I, I saw you the, the look of panic. I didn't hear anything face. about Luis Robert report card. I'm like, that's not a graphic. We I were had. we were busy with the ads stuff before the show, so I, I was all worried about that. I'll send you the grades. I know that's a pretty easy graphic to throw together, uh, but don't worry about that. Uh, Vinny has a brand new article up on allchgo.com talking about the uh, departure of AJ Pollock, which we talked about on uh, yesterday's show, but then also you worked in some of the quotes from Rick Hahn, and most importantly, Oscar Colas was brought up unprompted by uh, Rick Hahn. We didn't even have to ask him a question about Oscar Colas. You you asked uh, Herb and I yesterday about Oscar Colas, and we were like, yeah, he's probably not going to be uh, on your opening <laughs> day right fielder for the White Sox. He'll probably be there sometime next year. Well, Rick Hahn wants to let everybody know that uh, Oscar Colas is going to be firmly in the mix for one of them outfield jobs next year. I would imagine right field probably makes the most sense uh, for him, but a lefty bat, a, po- a powerful season down in the minor leagues, uh, just an excellent season down in the minor leagues. We'll see if seven games was enough of AAA, uh, d- depending on what he does next spring. But um, as as time goes on here, obviously, Rick Hahn and, and the front office's work is going to probably dictate the most about what happens to that right field and that left field, for that matter, position moving forward. Um, but don't forget Oscar Colas is something that uh, Rick Hahn wanted to make sure he uh, got out to the world. Yeah, and I think that Oscar Colas is – uh, a pretty finished product because you said he played some ball in Japan and some in Cuba and then the full season last year in single, double, and triple A for the White Sox. But my druthers would having him just go and murder another full season down in the minor leagues and then if he comes up in 2024, smooth. Or if he just is an undeniable guy that you have to bring up, awesome. But to have him in the mix already, 
I would rather go out and find a right fielder either via the trade or the free agency so you don't have to worry about Oscar Colas if he fails or succeeds. You know you have a major league ready baseball player on the roster playing right field. I think it's so White Sox just to downshift for the right field position, which they've done and they've punted on right field position a couple times with uh, lackluster uh uh, options like Nomar Mazzara and Adam Engel and other players that uh, they had in last year with not only having A.J. Pollock switching from left to right field, but then the two guys who played right field for them the majority of the time with Andrew Vaughn and uh, Gavin Sheets. I would rather them go and get a major league right fielder that's played the position and can do well for them instead of Oscar Colas. And I, I always keep I just keep going back to the way that prospects have been handled by this White Sox team uh, really since the start of the rebuild. Specifically, I look at Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert, and these were guys that they gave them a ton of time. Oscar Colas is a little bit different because he does have that pro experience, but they gave them a ton of time. Granted, they're in a different position now, but what have they said all along? The needs of the big league team do not dictate when a prospect comes up. It's the prospect being ready. If those things coalesce together, then that's just fine. But I, I, I don't see, you know, um, let's put it this way. There's another side to that coin, too. And that's, yeah, Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez came up in years when they were not supposed to contend for the World Series. Um, but you saw the growing pains. And if Oscar Colas comes up and needs what would be very expected and regular growing pains upon reaching the major leagues, then you're doing that in the middle of a season when you're trying to win the World Series. And what sort of harm does that do to those chances? So there's a lot of things you got to think about, I'm sure. And judging by what he did in the minor leagues, Oscar Colas is an extremely talented player. But does he provide the certainty that you need when you're going into this kind of season. The quote from Han is, I think the acclimation period is behind him now. It's just a matter of showing that he's ready and belongs in the big leagues. We'll head to camp and see where he's at. Obviously, there will be off-season check-ins as well as where the progress is at, but he impressed us last year and is on a real good trajectory to contribute in a meaningful way as soon as next year. So I think that really sounds like the player might be ready rather than, you know, we have that need that needs to be filled. And the question, too, is I understand you bring up, you know, this is in a contention year and you need to win the World Series. The team that just won the World Series at arguably one of the most most important positions just rolled with a rookie, and he won World Series MVP. So is it naturally a drawback when Jeremy Pena, at 24 years old, has a ton of success in his first year? Michael Harris for the Braves has a ton of success in his first year as well when he, when he comes up. Uh, Spencer Strider, you could throw in the argument as well. Adley Rutschman. Like, what, what is holding Oscar Colas back because it's not like he's 21 years old. He's 25 years old with a lot of different experience and just showed that over three levels, he could hit pitching. Well, I'm not like James Fox or Mike Rankin or the folks at uh, White Sox Daily where they know how good of a prospect these people were when they coming out. But just in my anecdotal memory, Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez were not can't miss, but pretty close to can't miss prospects. They were both top three prospects in baseball, if memory serves. Yeah, and so those guys were up there, up there, and... Oscar Colas is not. So you'll be rolling dice with his coming up to the major leagues and adding pressure to him, the player, to come up and be an alt, uh, already starter on a team that's ready to win the World Series or supposed to win the World Series or competing for it. That would be extra pressure onto him. And I know the White Sox do not like to have a prospect come up to the major leagues and then having to send him back down. They haven't done that a lot. 
So not with a major guy. I mean, they did it with Gavin Sheets and, yeah. and, it, and it worked well for him. But mm-hmm. is Gavin Sheets that major guy? You know, people might say Andrew Vaughn. People might throw out Andrew Vaughn's name. Andrew Vaughn very much, in my opinion, the exception to that rule, considering mm-hmm. the whole wonky situation with, with the COVID year and all of that. Not to mention that the guy was the number three pick in the draft. He was expected from the moment they drafted him to be one of the highest ranked prospects in the game yeah with Colas uh he was ranked 99th in baseball America's top 100 in August and then MLB.com had him ranked at 95th um but I mean you look good that's high that is good it's top top 100 (laughs) from from what we can we can gather um but you even look at when Aloy was ranked top three who was behind him in the 40s was Jordan Alvarez I mean I don't know if that necessarily means anything and it's also prospects like Oscar Colas is twenty five. Like, like, how much of a of a, of, a, of a prospect actually is he? And I understand you bring up Gavin Sheets. I really feel like it's just going to be a battle between Gavin Sheets and Oscar Colas for that outfield position. That that really not. seems like the left hander who is in the outfield. That is the position between those two, and I'm fine with that. Gavin Sheets really hasn't shown enough to secure an MLB roster spot, enough where if you're saying you know Oscar Colas doesn't give you consistent production to be a, you know an everyday or a platoon part of an, uh, an outfield, I don't know if Gavin Sheets is proven oh, no. that enough. Trust me, this is not an argument in favor no. of you can't move Gavin Sheets. Right. It's an argument in favor of... Um, of reliability and, and what you can expect. And I think Oscar Colas deserves that ranking because he was absolutely fantastic last year in the minor leagues. But I'm just saying, being absolutely fantastic in the minor leagues does not equal what you, something that you are certain that you're going to get next year. Um, but now that they've got multiple outfield spots to fill... Maybe they say, all right, we're going to go with one uh, that, is, that is a certainty. We're going to go try to find somebody to, to secure left field, and we're going to go ahead and, and roll the dice with some less certainty, but maybe a higher upside in right field. Yeah, there is uh, now going off of that, there was more comments from Rick Hahn talking about Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez and where they'll play, but I think the bigger thing before we get to that is who might not be on the team, and he did have some things to say about Jose Abreu. If Andrew Vaughn is going to go play first base every single day and uh, Aloy Jimenez is going to be the DH every single day, uh, what happens with Jose Abreu? Uh, Han lauded Abreu as the player in person, saying the Sox are insulated uh, from a production standpoint against that departure, and uh, did not disabuse uh, that notion. So that's, that's James Fegan from the Athletic yes, writing there. I would imagine. Let's make sure we give James his props for being out there in Las Vegas. Thank you. Uh, that is from James Fegan's piece in the Athletic, uh, but saying uh, the White Sox are insulated from a production standpoint against the departure of Jose Abreu if Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez are uh, to take over. And I love how you two are shaking your heads. It's not true. <laughs> it's just not true. Like, yes. Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez will probably be great offensively. But you know who also was offensively great? Jose Abreu. It's going to be hard to replicate that production that you're just letting walk away. I understand. It's much easier for Rick Hahn to do his work with the first placement position just settled. With Andrew Vaughn, you're the guy. Cool. But you now need to go and see if you can get a guy who can go, what, 134 OPS plus? That's not on the street anywhere. And Andrew Vaughn's not going to make that up. He's not going to make up for what the production that he's supposed to do and the production that Jose did. And then Aloy's not going to do that in the aggregate. You're not going to get those two guys to make up their own stats and then make up for what Jose Abreu is not uh, having on the White Sox anymore. It's a, it's a false thing that he's saying right there. I think if he just says, hey, 
Jose had a great time. It's time for Andrew Vaughn. Smooth. I went like, you know what? I'm in there, Rick. Go ahead. Do your thing. But what's the, but what's the it, difference? They don't what's have the difference it on, if he's saying that they're insulated from because the production standpoint between saying that's Andrew not, Vaughn, it's Andrew Vaughn's time to try and do it? Because that's, that's truth. That, what he said is not true. He, they're not going to make up for Jose Abreu's production at all because they're not 30 and 100 by themselves. Like, they're not their own numbers and then also adding extra uh, offense for them to miss Jose Abreu. That 30 and 100 is going to be hard to replace. Who you want to get it from? Lurie? No, no, not Lurie Garcia. Probably Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn but is what I'm saying. Own, but their the, own numbers are going to be their own numbers. That's what they were going to bring no matter what, if Jose was on the team or not. But but I think and here's here's at least what Rick Hahn said about Andrew Vaughn uh, and and maybe why he would have more or increased production. Uh, he was a guy over the course of the year that played through leg issues, probably somewhat exacerbated having him in the outfield. We've asked a lot of that kid in the last couple of years, and I think he's performed quite well, all things considered. The lack of his experience, his age, and the fact that we're playing him out of position. So I think Rick Hahn is even saying that. Andrew Vaughn's production is being held back by him being in the outfield. I I I I don't I don't know. Like I none of that is wrong, right? No. Andrew Vaughn should be playing first base or yes. DH. He should not be playing the outfield. That's he was one of the worst defensive outfielders yes. in baseball last year. But here's the thing: What's the White Sox' biggest problem? Offense. The reason they didn't do well this year was because the offense let them down, um, particularly in the power department, which, of course, we know Jose had his own struggles there that, that kept him from his usual production. Um, but, guys, this is one of the best hitters in baseball. Consistently one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, he just finished second in the American League in hits. Um, he was a 37%. Was, what was the, what was the, uh, the way to runs created plus this year? 137 like or 34, something like that? Yeah. He was 30-something percent better than the average player in a year where he only hit 15 home runs. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jose Abreu is, is an elite hitter. And the last time people said, oh, he's going to fall off a cliff because he's getting older, he went out and won an MVP. So I don't think you can sit here and tell me, nah, Jose's not going to be that going forward. He's given you every reason to believe that he is going to be that going forward. And this is the thing, like... How do they know that if they're saying that Jose is probably not going to be the Jose going forward, how do they know that Aloy and Andrew Vaughn are going to ascend to heights that they never reached? But isn't that the hope at this point, that's especially hope. when you're looking at 2023, and we'll hit the ad break soon and we'll bring in some more numbers, but the player that's getting paid the second most amount, more, and it wasn't more than Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu was making about $18 million, but Yohan Moncada's going to be making basically $18 million next year. Your idea or what this team is built off of is on or is is what this team is built on is on those guys taking that next step forward. In 2023, Jose Abreu wasn't supposed to be the best player on the White Sox. It was supposed to be Luis Robert. It was supposed to be Eloy Jimenez. And it was supposed to be Andrew Vaughn. This is now the time for those guys to step up. And do you have answers to the questions that to the question, are those guys going to be the best players or, exactly. or better than Jose Abreu next year? You don't have I, the answer to that question. Abreu is consistent. You know what? Dylan Cease is about to finish second in the Cy Young vote. Most likely, second or third, we would imagine. Uh, he was the only player on the team that had a higher B war than Jose Abreu in 2022. Yeah, how are you? How are you going to replace this team? That? This is, it, I, this I, team I don't, is, but if like, they let Jose Abreu go, they are worse if than they were than they would be. Without correct, I, and I agree with that. But also, I think it clears up issues that this team has, and we can argue that yes, what is factual in 2022, Jose Abreu was led the team in, or was second in, in team first in hitters um in b war but also if war in war what is war. it good for war um, specifically war. Yeah. um 
But wouldn't Luis Robert lead the team in war if he played 140 games? He should. Question uh, marks. If, but I he mean, hasn't. Uh, These the, are all the, question marks you're talking about. I know, but for like, the most part, Jose Abreu be answered. Jose Abreu like is if, consistent. If, if if in 2023 Jose Abreu goes out and plays 155 games, but Luis Robert plays 80. Aloy Jimenez plays 80, and Andrew Vaughn plays 126 of of depleted baseball because he's running around in left field. What is that answer? Jose Abreu is very good at baseball, and these other three guys stink. But there's a think constant. What, we're, we're, we need to grow, go forward, and I think the only way to move forward is to open up those Let me positions. ask you this. There's a constant with Jose. You know he's going to post every day. You know the numbers are going to be right at the end of the year. There's question marks. Can Andrew Vaughn be in... Anywhere near what Jose Abreu is. Can he? They hope so. They hope. That's hope. That's hope. Same thing with Aloy Jimenez. I think if he plays, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs, and he's going to hit the baseball. Big question mark. Same thing with Luis Roberts, which we'll get to the grades later, and it'll be part of that discussion. You're rolling dice that these guys are going to be automatically at the top of their potential in 2023. And you know there's a constant. There's a okay, comfort. Well, the there's I- a bed that you know is going to be nice and soft for you. And Jose Abreu, you lay in it, you're going to go to sleep, right, perfectly. But instead, you want to sleep on the fucking rocks and make sure, sticking like, uh, oh, man, I want to see if this works today and helps my back problems. No, Jose's the comfort of, of every he's day. He's the Tempur-Pedic he's sleep a, system. He's the safety blanket. Exactly. He's, he is him. the White Sox pacifier. Here's the thing. I'm going to be on the streets. Herb, they've already, they've already made those commitments. Yeah. This team is built on what you just said, Sean. Aloy being good, mm-hmm. Vaughn being good, Robert being good. But they're trying to win the World Series. Yes. If you believe, like Rick Hahn and the White Sox believe, that this core is still capable of being a, a championship contender, why would you take away from it a player who is going to make you better? I think uh, Here's all I'm arguing. Is Andrew Vaughn going to be better at first base? The logic sounds feeling, good. No, feeling, the logic sounds good, right? Uh, just, Better at first base yeah. than in the outfield. The logic seems good. Yes. Is Aloy Jimenez uh, less risk, risking his uh, health less by being the DH than he is versus left field? Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Is the White Sox lineup better if it has Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn and Jose Abreu, or is it better if it has Aloy Jimenez and Andrew Vaughn? I think that there could be an argument that Aloy Jimenez, Andrew Vaughn, could provide a better lineup just because, mm. again, you have those guys playing the right positions. Andrew, I don't think the math adds up. I don't think the math adds up. Aloy Jimenez in 84 games had a way to run's career plus of 144. What, what Han Sean, said about— my point being is that those two guys are sup- already supposed to have played 140-something games. But why haven't they? Because they're playing the outfield. They're playing positions they shouldn't. Aloy Jimenez is—, is, is pulling up in left field because he's trying to chase down a, a fly ball. I don't see him being an outfielder anymore in his position, but they've signed him to $9 million this year, and it's only going to go up to $11 million so, next year. They have to make him play 140 games, and the only path for that to happen is him being a designated hitter. Andrew Vaughn has clearly struggled in the second half in August and September after playing in the outfield. You take out all of those months, and just in his career, he's got a way to run creative plus of 115. It's not great, but it's still 15% above the average. You got 144 uh, weighted red plus of Aloy Jimenez, and if he gives you 140, and if Andrew Vaughn gives you 115 at first base in 140 games, I think that you can make up the production. So here's the thing, and here's what I'm thinking, and I don't know if your opinion is this, but it's what it sounds like to me. You're not arguing that the White Sox are better without Jose Abreu. You're arguing that the only way the White Sox can ensure 
healthy seasons from these two players is to get rid of Jose Abreu. Yes. That's, that's a bad situation that to be is. in. Yeah. They're in a bad situation. I'm just saying. That doesn't make <laughs> that does not make the that does not make the White Sox better. It makes them less. It makes it means that that's the answer to their injury problem. And Rick Va- Rick Hahn. Rick Hahn Rick should Vaughan. know that <laughs> you don't cut your nose to spite your face. Like Jose Abreu at first base, you know what's going to get that production. Now you're trying to pigeonhole these guys into their correct positions because you didn't build a correct team. And now you're letting to go your best player offensively just because you didn't build a but complete why is it, team. Why is it pigeonholing Andrew Vaughn into first base? As he says, Andrew Vaughn, the first thing, the, the quote from Rick Hahn, Andrew Vaughn is a first baseman. He goes on and says that, you know, it's it's not possible or out of, out of the possibility that he could play in the outfield in 2023. No. Um, he, he leaves that door open. He also says that, hey, we could trade uh, some people. So, like, it's not even... For sure and certain that he's going to be on the team, Andrew Vaughn, in 2023. But that also makes no sense to me. Letting Jose Abreu seemingly walk and then trading Andrew Vaughn. It just seems clear that the options are going to be Vaughn at first base and Eloy Jimenez at DH. That doesn't sound like a bad option to me. It's fine, but here's the thing. I'd, rather, terrible, I'd rather get a 29-year-old to play left field than a, a 36-year-old first base. It is a pretty crummy situation to be in when you have to explain away, yeah, we couldn't bring our franchise icon and best hitter back because these guys get hurt all the time. And when that's, a, that's and, a crummy situation to be in. And it, when it happens, but how do you fix it's it? It's definitely like, going to happen. When Aloy gets hurt, I'm going to look at you, Sean. I'm like, was it better? When you know Jose Abreu, like, tell me today, you think Jose Abreu is going to play 150 games next year for some major yes, league absolutely. team? What, what, I have no other data to say no. Right. He's that's, gonna go out and go and play 150 what, games. He's gonna hit, uh, you know, 15 home runs, 40 doubles, and you know, drive in 78 or whatever. 78. That's a little short. He's not hitting home runs. Well, he didn't hit home runs in one past year. Season. You're, and that's what you're oh, doing. You're you're looking at Vaughn and saying, man, those 17 home runs in a full season are delicious. Oh, he's gonna hit 36 because he's comfortable playing at first base. That seems weird. That seems odd that he's just going to be better at hitting because he's not playing the field or position He'll that he's stronger. Doesn't. Like the whole point is what they're, they're saying. Then he it needs, to, he needs to work in the offseason to be stronger I, all season long because he keeps on excuse after excuse after excuse for Andrew Vaughn. Oh, his rookie year, he hit the wall. He went down. He got an injury in his back. This year, it was. What's that an excuse? He injured Those his are excuses. Back. He, Those he, are excuses. He hit the ground and hurt his back and then played for two more months. It's not an, I don't know if that's an excuse. That's an excuse. How is that an excuse? That's an excuse. You're already creating alibis for him. You're like, oh, man. If this committed man, a murder. If this man is just playing first base, he's going to hit 30 home runs. How do I know this? We got to roll dice on Andrew Vaughn just because he's not good at any other position. Here's the here's the last I'll say on it. We got a legend out here, and we're out, out here just saying no. Get out of here. Here's for the, Andrew. Here's the Vaughn. here's the last I'll say on it, which is, I stand by my stance that the White Sox are worse with without Jose Abreu than they would be with him. I agree. Their offseason work gets a lot harder if they don't bring back Jose Abreu because well, hey. they need to go find guys who are going to help make out for them. And that's what, the ne- for that. that's what the next segment's about. So, Mercy, thank you for that transition. Um, I will just say this because we do have an ad read, so you can't actually butt in, Herb. Uh, Damn it. But April 8th to July 17th, uh, 72 games from Andrew Vaughn, a slugging percentage of 470 after the All-Star break when those legs got tired, which is, uh, hey, if you want to make fun of them for, that's fair. Yep. But a, a slugging percentage of 370. I mean, it dipped uh, 100 points over those you know, same sample size. I think there is something there, and it happened in the season before. Maybe they should just stop playing that guy in the outfield. NBA got 
Oh, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, so tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and on the homepage, opt-in and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With bigger payouts than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. I also bet on the NFL there. They have the options during the weeks of the NFL. You get a stepped-up same-game parlay on Thursday. You get a stepped-up same-game parlay on Sunday. And you get a stepped-up same-game parlay on Monday. So you can take advantage and get these bigger payouts. Um, I tried my hand with the Bears on Sunday, and uh, I did not get it because Justin Fields stole all the rushing yards from David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. But as a Bears fan, I'm not too mad at that. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code CHGO and make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And now, if you have a golfer in your life, you are going to want to use code CHGO on pinsandaces.com. They're the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. We love our pins and aces gear, and our guy Steven uh, hit the links recently on one of his off days and one of these November days when it was 70 and got tons of compliments on and off the course on his pins and aces gear. They're family owned golf and apparel business, and they make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite product, the beer sleeve. If you have a golfer in your life, this would be a perfect stocking stocking stuffer this holiday season. It's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold this entire round. So check out pinsandaces.com and use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. All right, let's go into what the White Sox roster looks like because you still have money possibly to bring in Jose Abreu. you know, Rick Hahn didn't say no. Uh, Bruce true. Levine of Odyssey.com is reporting that the White Sox have a 0% chance of bringing back Jose Abreu, according to multiple sources. Well, uh, we heard, and we heard Bob Nightingale from USA Today say something similar a month ago, right, when he was talking about what uh, the future holds for the White Sox. True, um, but it's not out of the question, at least money-wise. Jose Abreu likely won't cost about $40 million, and Rick Hahn, uh, when speaking to the beat reporters down in Las Vegas, did say uh, that... Uh, the payroll was still being finalized, but his expectation is for it to remain in the same vicinity as the 2022 roster. So let's look at the current 2023 roster and put together the uh, salary that they currently have. Uh, so you, you can see infield on the left, outfielders on the right. Uh, the hitters make up $76.1 million. That's nine hitters right there. So you would have to likely add in four hitters, whether that be through trades and swapping around uh, position pit players and, and hitters uh, or adding free agents. And then if we want to go to the pitchers, uh, they have an estimated salary of $79.2 million. That's 11 pitchers. So you'd need two more. So arguably they have $40 million and six roster spots to fill. Uh, the main thing that I want to go to, because obviously this is the lead, I do think Vince Velasquez is coming back. $3.5 million. You're just... They're just going to re-sign him? I just, I think so. I mean, he had, he had his best year of his career. I, I, it when? just seemed This year. Hmm. 4.87 uh, ERA, baby. Mm-hmm. Let's go. First time Oof. under five. Ugh. Vinny the V. Vinny the V. Not good. Um, no, that uh, that roster looks incomplete. And I, if I did my math right, it's like $155 million. Mm-hmm. So you said like $40 million. There's players out there that they can, so yeah the Fangraphs estimation of the 2022 payroll was 196 and they're gonna be in the same ballpark of their uh, 
what, 180 plus million dollars that he's 196, uh, 196? I think it ended up being. Yeah. Oh, baby, we're in the house. So I would think about going and get Michael Conforto. I don't think he's going to be a $20 million guy because he sat out a whole year with a shoulder injury. So I think you can get him on a discount because he missed the whole year where you're going to be paying premium prices for his former teammate, Brandon Nimmo, where it's over $20 million. I think get under $20 million and get Mike Conforto to play right field for the White Sox. Maybe a, a deal where he's doing a prove-it year where he gets $15 million and a player option to get out for the second year. Then you go and get a lefty starter for the rotation. Middle of the rotation guy like Martin Perez, Jose Quintana, who's more of the bottom rotation guy, but he had a spectacular year for the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. That fills your rotation out a little bit better so you don't have to start Davis Martins, your fifth starter. And then a guy, since we're losing Jose Abreu, you need a either designated hitter slash first baseman to fill that in, and Josh Bell is available for about 13 to $15 million. I've always wanted Josh so Bell. So where is team. Andrew Vaughn playing next year for you? Left field? First. You're just going to run He's that playing shit first. Back? He's still playing first. So where's Aloy playing? Left field. This is the problem. He's going to get hurt again. Put him in DH. Why Why? Why go sign somebody Sean. when you just have Aloy Jimenez who just ha- put up a 144 way to run square plus at the DH Answer position. me this question. How did he get hurt last year? Running the bases. Boom. It, we, we, so you're going to put him There's in left no field to make him runner. run more? There's that no makes designated no sense. Runner. Well, Herb, I would just ask you this. <laughs> if you're, if you're you going to put of- Eloy in left anyway, why are you going and getting Josh Bell? Why aren't you just getting Jose Abreu back? Oh, I, <laughs> you have, you have yes. $40 million. You yes, I would get Jose Abreu back, but we've already discussed that, that Jose Abreu is not coming back. I'm not uh, praying for Eloy's downfall, HL. I'm praying for that man doesn't play 150 games. He has not. He has only played 122 at his peak. So I'm... Saying that can't that change. That, it that can't can, change when but you're, you're changing positions. It would be ludicrous positions. for you to say, okay, we're depending on Eloy to give me 150 games. That's dumb to go into the season and say that because you haven't had that. And I would think that the White Sox need to make up in the aggregate Jose Abreu's production, and they have to go around the margins. So that's why I'm not going for Aaron Judge or Brandon Nimmo. Those are premium people that the White Sox can't afford. We can't afford $20 million. Jose Abreu, the damn comments are like, oh, that's too much money. Jose Abreu, that garbage. Get him out of here. We got Andrew Vaughn who makes this little money. Yes, put somebody. Well, well, Michael Conforto is a lefty power bat that hit like 25 to 30 home runs when he was healthy out there in New York. Same thing. And Josh Bell will probably hit you 15. He's a 350 on base guy in his career. This is, the, this is how you build a better team offensively for the White Sox. And, yes, it sucks that Aloy Hellman has had to play left field, but, damn it, you need to have some players. Who else is out there available that has Aloy still playing designated hitter and who's a left fielder is available and the White Sox can afford? Let's answer Jaxo's question first because he dropped a super chat. Thank you very much, Jaxo, for the super chat. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Um, will Han sign the big names like Judge Turner, Bogarts, or Correa? I, I would love to see Trey Turner in a White Sox uniform. I'd love to see Aaron Judge in a White Sox uniform. I'd love to see Xander Bogarts or Carlos Correa in a White Sox uniform. It will not happen. I think he will sign those guys. I think he plays MLB The Show 23. He'll sign those guys to all those deals. It'll be great. You think Rick Han plays video games? All the time. Yeah. He's got kids. He's got kids. Teenage, teenage boys. I'm sure they play uh, MLB The Show. Dad, I made a better team than you. You know, talking shit wow. to him. Wow. <laughs> uh, listen, I, we, we did the Abreu thing. I, I think they should bring Abreu back. It does not sound like they're going to, reading those reading those 
comments. Tea leaves. It sounds like they have committed to Andrew Vaughn being better as a first baseman, to Aloy Jimenez being better as a DH. Okay. That leaves what? Left well, field? I don't right know if field. it's better. I think it's just cheaper. And also, like, you talk about creating them in the aggregate. Both of them hit more home runs than them. They didn't hit more, more doubles than them. But, like, one of them played 84 games. One of them played 126 games. Like, I think that you could easily make him up in the aggregate with those two players. So you're, this is the thing. You're saying, Sorry to you're, cut you off you're putting the Jose Abreu 2022 Sean, season you really, I was and trying. Projecting I was it. trying, Sean, and you dragged us back yeah, into it. Yeah, and you're projecting that as <laughs> that's what Jose Abreu is going to be. And then you're making the 99th percentile of both Aloy and Andrew Vaughn going forward. You're doing like the 50th percentile of Jose Abreu. That's, it's not apples to apples. You're doing apples to oranges there. Uh, you're doing the 90th percentile. There's also like the 20th percentile Jose Abreu but, that you're but, not seeing. But many he's of 36. The, all the years that he's played, he's had a plus offensive year. That's all true. of them. And he's played every every game pretty much. That's true. So like that's what wrong. I'm saying. Like you're like it's just frustrating. And these people are like saying that I'm wanting to get rid of Jose or why are you bringing Josh Bell in? I'm because I'm living in this reality that Jose's not coming back. That's what I'm living in. All right, drag us out of it. <laughs> you need what? You need four position players and four pitchers, right? Uh Four position, two pitchers. Two pitchers. Okay, well, here's the thing. Yeah, you brought up the, the payroll conversation. You didn't bring up another thing, which was Rick Hahn saying, this regardless of position, this is not talking about a specific position. The White Sox are more likely to acquire players via trade than free agency this year. Um, so it's very easy to say, oh, they've got X dollars to spend. Go give it to XYZ free agent. That doesn't seem to be what is the what they're saying is the most likely outcome. They're saying they're going to go find guys to soak up that money, that they're going to be able to get rid of players. I don't know which ones because, as we've talked about, they've got a farm system that is is not you know well stocked with guys right. that make those big trade packages. So, it, you know, people are t- people are asking, are they going to go sign the biggest free agents out there? Here's my question: Are they going to be able to trade for the biggest guys out there on the trade market? Because what is this package that they're able to create that that lands a trade candidate who's at, who's worth the same amount as the big name free agent that people want them well, to go. Well, I really didn't give that much that that comment about being uh, you know uh active in the trade market that much value because I just don't think they can be. I think you're 100% right. Well, I think they'll right. try, but I think they'll make they smaller tried during, deals. Well, they tried during the trade deadline and and what happened? Nothing. Like I, I got just, Jake Diekman. There you go. And and, Reece, and there's no Reese McGuire on the team anymore. There you can't there's no one with that trade value. But like I don't see them trading Colson Montgomery, and we're looking at. I'm looking at the uh, top 30 prospects from MLB.com. I don't think they're trading Colson Montgomery no. just because they just drafted him. He's 20 years old. Seems like he's just a very interesting player. The second guy is Oscar Colas, and apparently he's starting in right field. So you really can you knock him off the the, the pot unless he's trying to hype him up in the trade trade market. Well, but here's the thing: Oscar Colas does what the White Sox need somebody to do. It's for left-handed power and, and plays and plays better defense than the guys you got right there and right now. Um, but I mean, they need to go get a second baseman. They're not going to get left-handed power out of or a lot of it from a second baseman, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, how you know what I mean? You like, mentioned Brandon Lau, who at thirty-nine, but I don't think that's well, right. He hit thirty-nine two years ago. Yeah. Last year he only <laughs> hit eight. Um, yeah, Brandon Brandon Lau would be interesting, but again. What everybody says about the Rays, if you get a good player from the Rays, you probably got fleeced. Well, I heard they have a, like a forty man uh, forty man roster roster crunch. crunch. Yeah, but like also the White Sox might have to overpay there, but they don't did have you know that enough to overpay? Did you know that Brandon Lau's uh, nickname is Bam Bam? That's a pretty good nickname. That's a good nickname. Is he the only guy with a Bam Bam? I mean Bam Bam Bigelow, the professional wrestler. Yeah, but yeah, that, sure. I think his given name, his birth name, might have been Bam Bam. It was. That's what it says on his birth certificate. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't I don't know where the White Sox would trade. Steven, if you want to flash up the roster and, and, and looking at this, like Herb, I, I know you well, you're probably just gonna bring up Aloy Jimenez. <laughs> what else like tell me another player there <laughs> that the White Sox actually have you're trading him at a high point or a higher point and he would bring back actual major league talent back. Tell me one player on that roster that's uh, that gives you that. Andrew Vaughn and Aloy Jimenez. Oh and Luis Robert. Uh, yes. But I, I do you want to trade well, Luis Robert? And Tim Anderson. Do you want to trade any of those people? Do you think you're going to get dollar for dollar on those trades? Well, I, don't I've, think- I brought up Liam Hendricks, and that seems like a no from you guys. No. It's I mean, here's the thing. you got to remember. What, are you trying to build a roster that's going to compete for the World Series? Because getting rid of your best players at every junction is, is not really a good way to do that. You know well, what I mean? But- like, they're already going to say goodbye to Abreu. Now, Herb, you say, oh, they got to say goodbye to Oloy. Sean saying, oh, they got to say goodbye to Hendricks. You got to have good players to win the World Series. Absolutely. If they if they strip all the, the, the talent off of this team or the top talent off of this team, then they're what? Then they're then they're the twins? I mean, then they're the, you know, like, what are they doing? When Rick Hahn's playing, you know, video games with his kids and, you know, he's, he's looking at the trade market and, and they have all the trade values. Like, just Liam, I just think, would have, like, that trade value bar would be so full just because I think of what, what his – value is according to what the market is for closer. So that's just why I bring up Liam as, a, as an option. You're, you're not wrong, though, and that's why I go to the, the Jose thing. It's just like, if the White Sox are going to be competitive and win World Series, we know that it's just not like you have to be great for one year. Look at the Dodgers. They won 116 games this year and couldn't do it. The Astros have gone to, what, four in the past six years and have only won two. The Dodgers have won in the past... Uh, since 2013, where they've gone to the playoffs every single year. They only have one World Series. Like, the White Sox need to build a a team that's sustainable and a team that's going to last a long time. And they thought and, they had done that already. Right. And, yeah. and, and, if and they, gonna, maybe they still did. Who knows? If they're going to yeah. lean into that, I don't see the point of trading 25-year-old Aloy Jimenez right. or 24-year-old Andrew Vaughn. Or, or, and it makes sense why you'd give 25-year-old Oscar Colas a shot. Where Liam Hendricks being 33 years old and the, the guy who just set the market for, for closers is 29. Like, that's, that's the reason why but I then, would say, like possibly move on from Liam. But then you're you're putting this year at risk. You're ch- you're you're risking another year of this window but if by you're saying get, we're going to make ourselves worse in a very important area. So well, then but then like, if they're getting rid of a Bray already, are they doing that? Aren't they doing that? It seems like for seems me, like that it seems like that to me. That's what we've been arguing yes. this whole time, but I think the point being that they think they're going to go out and make up for it. And maybe they will, but I mean, if you if you chop off too many limbs on this on this uh I don't know what it is now, a spider or a yeah. whatever. But if you chop off too many of your best players, um, you're you're not you're not going to be able to. That's not maximizing this window. So maximizing what, the maximizing this window is is building the best team you can right now. And I'm not saying you should be sacrificing the future. You shouldn't because that's a bad idea too. But you've got to have that balance. And if you're like, ooh, we're going to trade some guys and we're going to be really good in 2024, like, come on, come on, you're built right. to win now. You got to yeah. try to win now. So we're never gonna tr- not gonna trade anybody because we can't trade Aloy. We're not gonna trade Liam, and we're not gonna spend a lot of money on free agents. How are we getting players? We're just gonna say, hey, these people we got on the roster already—that's good enough. Go ahead and do your thing. You're gonna see a lot of that, I think. That's that's yeah. go- that's a formula for losing right there. They gotta change a little bit about this team. It was 81 and 81 for a reason, and I don't believe that losing your best player is gonna make them better. Just because Andrew Vaughn's playing his best position. You're going to see three new faces in the lineup. 
because they've got three basic, I mean, pretty much three everyday jobs open right yeah, now. You'll need a left fielder, you need a second baseman, and then. And I think they probably need a right fielder also. Yeah. And then you're going to get one more, you're going to get a brand new starting pitcher. And mm-hmm. obviously they would be better off if they got a guy who goes higher toward the rotation than the bottom of it, but they've got a pretty good rotation right now. I don't think that needs to be the biggest area of emphasis, but if they go out and get a really good starting pitcher, that's a very good thing for them too. So um, you're right though, Herb. How are you going to get these guys? Because he's already saying they're going to try to do it via trade or that trade might be a better way to do it than free agents. Well, and, and what are they going to trade? My concern <laughs> is that, like, again, at the trade deadline, he overvalued what he has in his organization. And I think right now that might be the same assumption that he's overvaluing what's in his organization. And then if he goes back to the trade value or the trade market and goes like, hey, Gavin Sheets, nice end of the season. I, I don't think he's going to get too many bites um, or, or whoever he would, is trying to dangle at, at the offseason. Uh, last year I see JJ and I get it JJ you think you can find three nine war on the free agent market that's tough you know people who are three nine on the free agent market or people around that area Eugenio Suarez Christian Walker Nico Horner Pete Alonso that's expensive you're not going to get that you might as well bring Jose Abreu because they're going to be much more expensive than what Jose Abreu is going to bring to the table Odolis Garcia, Alejandro Kirk. Those are three nine guys in F4. So it's really hard to find that on the free agent market. So JJ's other comment, by the way, is something Pedro Grafol brought up in the uh, press conference saying that, you know, the White Sox did not do very well last year. They had all their problems and everybody, you know, if, mm. if you would have gone by fan reaction, you would have assumed they were, you know, 30 games under 500. Right. Uh, and Pedro Grafol brought up like, man, I noticed the problems that they were having and they still finished 500. And everybody in everybody watching at home probably went, oh my God, they finished 500. How dare you remind me of that? But JJ and uh, Pedro are thinking alike. That makes me feel kind of sick though if Pedro Grafol is like, man, they should have won 75 games. It's like, oh, so they should have been like, you know, everyone um, expected them to win 95. Well, like, but I mean, <laughs> you, you, you saw, you heard Pedro call out what was wrong right. with them and, and yeah. you know, that he, he recognized it just like everybody else recognized it. And, Still, they, you know, when they were locked in, they were locked in. It's basically what he said. Like, they were a tough team to beat when they were, they could beat anyone when they were locked in. Uh, and then they were, you know, kind of easier to get when they were not locked in. Sure. I thought that's what he said. No boy. All right. Uh, let's tell you about the DraftKings pick of the week. Uh, clearly, it's not Aloy Jimenez because Herb is still doing over there. Uh, but your kicker's lining up. And, and I'll tell you who your kicker is. Your kicker is going to be Alex McNulty. All right. And he plays for the Buffalo Buffs. Your kicker's lining up for a 34-yard field goal to win the game. The chances of him making this are very, very high because he's a very good kicker. The stakes are high because you placed this bet when Buffalo was the underdog at plus 105, and then they became the favorite, and now they're back to the underdog. And the tension is high because you just went 3-0 in Maction. Your pulse is racing. Maction on a Wednesday. Nothing beats it. He kicks it, and you watch as the ball goes and this is the tension that you could create at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm not sure if I did that right, did but they're right. an official I, sports betting Who are the betting Buffalo part Buffs? Of the universe, University of Buffalo. Oh, the Bills. They're the Bulls. Bulls. They're the I Bulls. thought they were the Buffs. That's, no. that's South Florida. Colorado is the yeah. Buffaloes. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, Colorado they're the Buffs. is the Buffaloes, yeah. 
Yeah, this, this ad Buffalo reads, Buffs. I, I didn't, they, I didn't do this ad read the right DraftKings way. DraftKings is Whoops. fine. Uh, make, they know who you meant. <laughs> make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Um, and I bet college football there each and every week. Your pick of the week is going to be the Buffs. Or, nope, not the Buffs. The Bulls money line tonight as they will be taking on uh, the Central Michigan Chippewas. I uh, I took uh, Ohio to beat my uh, to beat uh, Buffalo Yes, or last week, I'm sorry, uh, but I just don't think that Chippewa uh, offense has the right quarterback to, to really beat this Buffalo team. Cole Snyder's been really sneaky good We were over saying that year, the other day. Right? So I, I really do think that Buffalo's going to win in tonight's action. So download the, Sportsbook, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up, and if you bet $5 on any money line, you will get $200 in free bets if that team wins. So check out DraftKings Sportsbook. And again, make sure you buff you bet on the Bulls tonight, uh, the Buffalo Bulls for the DraftKings pick of the week. <laughs> and then when you're out at the tailgate this weekend in 38-degree weather, you can warm up by playing on our fantastic Chi-Town Cornhole board boxes and using our custom bags Chi-Town Custom Cornhole the number one cornhole provider for the Chicagoland in Illinois since 2007 their signature box style can be designed and digitally printed covered in vinyl and painted their cornhole boards come with built-in drink holders recessed in on the back LED lights that light up the hole and exterior handles for easy carrying and handcrafted scorekeepers they're veteran owned and operated and they could ship anywhere and offer local pickups and they specialize in corporate designs you could see the fantastic CHGO boxes that they made at our tailgate this Sunday and you can buy tickets at allchgo.com as the Bears take on the Lions uh, and you can get these corporate designs for your next company's marketing or social event you can get these as wedding gifts or gifts for all occasions especially with the holiday is coming up for tailgaters and backyard barbecuers. So go to their website, chitowncornhole.com, and make sure to follow them on Instagram at chitown underscore custom underscore cornhole underscore boards. Thank you guys for supporting us here at CHGL. Um, we got a super chat in the comments from Jaxo. He said, we need to get rid of the players that contribute nothing like Leary. Screaming from the rooftops, Jaxo. I, I agree, uh, but it seems like they are going to spend the money on uh, making sure that Josh Harrison isn't on the team, and uh, they're celebrating the A.J. Pollock declining of his player option. Dave says, breaking news, Jose Abreu signs with the Buffalo Buffs. Hey, it's a great <laughs> signing. He's going to give them 150 games this year. I um, mess up their, that they're the Bulls instead of the Bills because I all automatically want to defer to the NFL team. It's like, why would you do that? Just call them something else, jerks. I thought they were the Buffalo Buffalo. No, <laughs> that would make more sense. Why? Because it's, I mean, they're Buffalo. I mean, also that's wrong. Uh, no team should be the Buffaloes because it's actually bison, the American bison. That's what you call. It. That's the name of that animal. Hmm. Yeah, neat. Mm-hmm. Is there so are, are buffalo bu- is colloquial? So if you want a buffalo, you got to go to the to the uh, other the other hemisphere. You know your your water hmm. buffaloes like you find in Africa. Neat. Those are buffaloes. What we have that everybody calls a buffalo is actually a bison. That's pretty neat. Mm. That's real neat. Thanks, Vinny. You're welcome. Yeah, That's why he's is, here. This is why he he, he, he takes all those uh, hikes, you know? He, he learned something on those nature hikes. I've seen uh, a bunch. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's go There's to some a Fermi lab. There are. Been there. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When you're in uh, when you're in elementary school, you take a field trip over there, see see the bison at Fermi lab? We didn't do any cool Fermi lab. Yeah, field trips. Well, that's a long drive. That'd be a long drive for you. Yeah, for me and Herb, that was right next door. Mercy. Um, All right, let's go into Luis Roberts' report card because I guess this is kind of where some of the uh, the issues uh, end up landing here. But uh, for Luis Roberts' 2022 season, offense he's getting a C plus, defense he's getting a B minus, and overall he's getting a C plus. And as Stephen 
uh, rightfully chose that picture. Um, he dealt with a lot of wrist injuries to the end of the year that really uh, hampered his production. What do we make of Robert's 2022 season? And again, I, I think this is the biggest thing. Like you talk about creating, Louis, you know, uh, Jose Abreu in the the uh, the aggregate and, mm-hmm. and seeing who would step up, like. Luis Roberts supposed to be the guy. He has seven tools, according to Frank Thomas. Eight, and, nine, ten. And, and all these guys. So so where did Luis Roberts' season go wrong, and, and how important is he to 2023? He's very important. We picked him, both you and I, as the MVP of the American League before the season started. That's how talented the man is. We already know that if he's playing at full health, he's going to be a dynamic player. But this year, and I – Take some exception with the defensive grade of B there because he was in, um, I think it was a defensive run saved, negative four as a center fielder. So the guy wasn't the gold glover that showed up in 2020. He is regressed from the defensive stalwart that he was back in the early uh, parts of his career. I just think that this year of injuries, I don't know, the focus was off. Like, I like playing through injuries every once in a while, but when you're trying to hit and your shoulder slash wrist slash arm is not working, they should have taken him out. And, you know, he's a he's a champion. He's a gamer. He's going to play whenever the manager puts him in the lineup. So that's a thing for him that is a positive. But I grade him on you should be an elite player in the league. So I gave him a C-minus overall because he was not an elite player this year. He saw glimpses of that, but he was very disappointing this year with the injuries and how he actually did play when he was healthy. He, he never got going. The, the, the time that we saw a quote-unquote healthy or a close-to-healthy Luis Robert was him getting up to speed, right? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he would get there, something else happened. I mean, this, we, everybody focuses on the wrist injury because it was the most visibly affected part of his body, and it was right at the end of the year. But there were three... There were two, three things that happened to him before that came around at the end of the season, and um, he was being he was stopping and starting all year long. Whether it was whether it was the COVID infection, whether it was the non-specific virus that, yeah, that, that led to the vitamin deficiency, that led to the blurred vision and the dizziness, um, and and then obviously you had the thing with the wrist toward the end of the year. So um, it was just stopping and starting and. I don't think we even got too many glimpses of the person that Luis Robert is supposed to be. Much of that was injury-affected, but then when he finally did get back, again, through no fault of his own, just he needed that time to readjust, and by the time he was readjusted, he was hurt again. So um, it was very much an incomplete grade this year, I think, for Luis Robert. But again, like we keep saying with Aloy Jimenez, it, it is a situation where he we have expected him to be this certain player. And all that's been dominating the storylines is that he hasn't been able to play a full season, that he hasn't been able to play a full season. So when, it, when you talk about the expectations, obviously the injuries play a huge role. We don't want to say that those are those guys' fault. They did not perform to get injured or anything like that. But the storyline with Luis Robert is lining up so far to be the same as the one with Aloy Jimenez. And until, one of the, until those guys start putting together full seasons – that's not going to go away. Yeah, 2020 was huge years for both Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. Robert played 56 of 60 games that year, but in his two full seasons in 2021 and 2022, he has not been able to eclipse that 100 games played 
in a season mark 68 in 2021 and 98 in 2022 uh hl saying c c plus is brutal take away the month of useless at bats with his wrist injury and he was very good offensively if you take the 82 games up to august and that does still include the head thing that he was dealing with in minnesota um did hit a massive grand slam he did. In, 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 in that <laughs> series, that series as well, yeah which is fun to see but in those 82 games the white Sox were 54 and 37 so again kind of showing you how important he was when he was healthy but in 354 uh play appearances 15 doubles 12 home runs 56 rbis 65 walkouts to 15 walks and uh, 11 stolen bases 302 batting average 336 on base uh, 454 slugging ops of 790 um, finished with an ops plus this year of, of 109 and i'll say this too i don't think anybody really embodied i shouldn't say anybody you know i'm on kata yasmani grandal they had miserable offensive seasons but what we kept hearing from from the coaching staff, from Tony La Russa, and even from Rick Hahn, especially as the uh, season has ended now from Rick Hahn, what was the what was the problem with the White Sox? Their offensive approach, right? Keep talking about approach, approach, approach. Not taking good enough at bats. Who was constantly, constantly chasing pitches outside of the strike zone? I think if you're just talking about anecdotally, because you're right, you just described a player whose offensive numbers would have made him an above-average player in, in Major League Baseball this year. But my goodness, with the chasing of the pitches outside the strike zone, if you're talking about somebody who was not taking good at-bats, anecdotally, there was perhaps very few guys on the team that you would put more so than Luis Robert because of the way that he looked when he was up there swinging the bat. Tony La Russa kept saying all year long, you can blame Tony La Russa for whatever you want, but he kept saying, we got to stop chasing pitches that are outside the strike zone. And he was right about that. Luis Robert never stopped doing that, it seemed. And uh, so, you know, if, if the grade is low, perhaps that's why the swing looked ugly at times. And obviously he connected on a swing that made a baseball go a really, really long way at target field. But, uh, but there were not as many of those as there were times when he was walking back to the dugout because he did not connect on such a swing. And he's a natural athlete, so you could see he can come up to the plate and get the 300, 330, and 400 slugging just by being Luis Robert. But as I said before, I grade him and all these players on a different scale. I grade them on who you're supposed to be, especially year three. And what Vinny just said, year three, Sliders in the left-handed batter's box should not be swung at. He was doing that early. He adjusted to it and then got right back to it. I just think that by year three, yeah, every once in a while it should be, you know, you're trying to hit a home run and you miss a, a slider that's outside the zone. It's natural. But it seemed like a bugaboo for him. He's not Jose, I mean, uh, Javier Baez, year eight slider still fucking him up. But he's going to get there if he doesn't solve that problem. Pitchers are going to get the M.O. on him and say, okay, cool. I'm not going to throw you anything in the zone because that's what I said all his life, all his uh, White Sox career. Throw that man anything in the zone, it's going to get hit and hit hard. You throw it out of the zone, you can get him out on those pitches. So he needs to understand where his where people are trying to get him out and adjust to of the, of that uh, scenario where the pitchers are trying to throw him in the outside. If they are, you don't need to hit a, a – uh, uh, pull the ball. You can hit it to right field with enough power to get it out. And I saw one from AJ. It was pretty funny about Luis Robert, a little up there. 
about, trust me, five years, we're going to be talking about pre-Butterfly Sanctuary Lou Bob <laughs> and post-Butterfly Sanctuary Lou Bob. So, yes, he got a nice new house with 12 bathrooms, only seven rooms, and a, a Butterfly Sanctuary. I think the man's feeling himself. He's confident about his, his swing, and I think he'll come back and be the Lewis Robert that we know he can be. But this year, for me, was a disappointment. Two things that I would highlight that would make me at least encouraged about Luis Robert um his average exit velocity has gone up each and each season um his max exit velocity has always been top of the MLB because you know when he hit when he gets a hold of one he gets a hold of one like no other uh but in his first year it was about 34 percentile um and then this year is about 55 percentile which just tells me he's probably making more consistent contact and if you look at the pitch types and the run value he had versus all the certain pitch types there was not a single pitch that he had a negative run value against. Uh, two run value against slider, three run value against four seamer, one run value against uh, a sinker, uh, cutter, two run value, change up, six run value, um, and against sliders and four seamers, uh, over 400 slugging percentage. Uh, so I, I think that there is definitely a lot of bright spots to Luis Robert, and I think it really is what can he do over 160 or 150 or 140 if he could stay healthy because he'll be able to go through all of those adjustments and all of those changes. I don't think he's as bad as Baez. I mean, Baez swings and misses with, like, the best of them, like Gallo and Willie Mopena. Um, no, I'm just saying, Luis like, Robert isn't as bad as that. No, I'm saying, like, play. Baez, year eight, hasn't still figured out that what pitchers are trying to do to him. I don't want Luis Robert to be that guy. And, Wayne, I, I think you're doing Roberts. it on purpose right now. It just nails on a chalkboard when you call him Roberts. Ugh. Just call him La Pantera. It's one La guy. Pantera. Just Robert. Panteras. Luis Robert. He's La Pantera, and as, now he's got uh, Las Mariposas. As Stephen Alexander and myself ah. go by two first names. His name is Stephen Nicholas. Two first names. Luis Robert. Herb Lawrence. Stephen Alexander. <laughs> all right let's get a drink for the chgo white Sox podcast uh Luis robert's gonna mean a lot to the Sox in 2023 and he ain't going anywhere uh but we'll still try to figure out uh which white Sox will be traded by rick on this offseason that's vinnie duber uh he's got three brand new articles from this week up on allchgo.com, talking about the possible replacements at second base, talking about Rick Hunt's recent comments at the GM meetings, and then also examining his prior comments about the roster. And now you can kind of compare what he said during the Pedro press conference and now what he's now said at uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, again, follow him on Twitter at Vin Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox uh, beat writer. Uh, Brian Roberts. Now we only on the have Sox. we only have one more show with Vinny until yeah. he's going out to the. Land down under. Oh, God. Listen to the greatest music ever. ACDC? Men with hats. They're men without hats. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Darn. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter. Uh, we are both men without hats. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. Uh, he's our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Stephen Alexander Nicholas for producing the show. And we'll talk to everybody in the chat tomorrow. <laughs> thank you guys for hanging out with us and the support. Go Sox.